0: the eternal stance i hope this message inspires you to live in light of eternity well um, i want to start off on one of my favorite subjects and that is breakthrough in prayer there is no such a thing as breakthrough unless we pray prayer causes things to move but so many different times we always look at prayer as sort of like the last resort right Uh, you know the cliche don't use prayer as a spare tire. Use prayer as a steering wheel, right? Like this idea that we constantly rely on prayer when everything else has, has failed us. Uh, I remember this one story of, of a pilot. He was flying uh, an airplane. They ran out of fuel. And he was maybe 600 to 1,000 feet above, above the ground. And he uh, radios the tower and says, hey, we're, we're about 600 feet off the ground. And we're about 300 miles from the airport. And we have no fuel. And the tower replies back and says, repeat after me. Our Father, which art in heaven, right? Like there's just no way to get out of the situation you're about to crash, is what he was saying. A lot of times we look at prayer as just kind of the last resort. Maybe we'll we'll go to doctors, and uh, we'll and when everything fails, then we go to it. But this morning, last thing I want to do is to make you already feel guilty because I know a lot of us we feel guilty when we don't pray. We know we should be praying but we don't. I was just really thinking about this, like, why is it so hard a lot of times to pray? Well, it's hard because you're a war. Prayer is war. You're fighting against principalities that are in different realms. You're not fighting against people here. So it's a difficult thing. You know, prayer, uh, so many times I I actually, you know, I'm ashamed to admit this, but I fell asleep while praying, uh, which I think is still better than not praying. But we have to be praying, but this morning, last thing I want to do here is to put more shame and guilt on you, saying, "Why can't you just pray more?" You see, like growing up, like I've always, I didn't really have much of a close relationship with my dad until I was pretty uh, over my twenties, and uh, I always kind of start seeing God as as my dad, and nothing was ever good enough. Not nothing that I did you know, was, was up to the standard that was set for me by my brothers and so on and so forth, or by my family. And I sort of took this approach towards God. And for years and years and years, like I felt like almost like almost the best way I can describe this as the frown of heaven upon me, right? Like, like this idea that in the back of my mind, I always thought that God is not pleased with me. I always thought that, man, Slavik, why can't you just get it together? Why can't you just pray more? Why can't you just study your Bible more? Why can't you just, you know, be a a better disciple? Why can't you be a better son? Have you felt like that before? When when, when the standards are set so high and you're constantly feeling like I just fall so short of that and every single thing that I do is sort of falls a little bit short of, of the standard that's set before me. And I grew up with that. I grew up with that, this idea that somehow God is just not pleased with me and God is just ready to pounce any moment, you know, any moment that like, if I don't do exactly what he says, which I still didn't know how I was still alive because I didn't know exactly what he, he was saying. And I feel like God kind of like, you know, that frown that your parents have when they're very displeased with you, right? Like they're like, wait until your dad gets home. That's my mom, but uh, <laughs> right? Like you, you, you had this, and I grew up with this idea that God looks at us like that, and I would not—I would not be praying, and I would feel guilty about it, and then that would cause me not to pray even long, even more, and that would lead me to sin, which would cause even a bigger drift from God, and it was a never-ending cycle. So, so when is this going to break? I wish to tell you that that lasted for six months, but it didn't. It lasted for like a decade. And you'd think that you'd have a breakthrough. You're going to church every single Sunday morning. You're, 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 you're leading people to Christ. But a lot of times I would just do it because I already felt guilty of not doing enough. Why is it so hard for us to have breakthrough in our relationship with the Lord? Well, nothing really thing, things that are you know, nothing that really costs something is really giving it to you for free. It costs someone something, right? Discipline and prayer—it comes at a cost. So, so it, it's a difficult thing, but the more you do it, it becomes a lot easier. So, I, I'm not sure how you came in. Maybe you came in feeling guilty that you're not spending time in, in prayer and in, in your devotion and in, in your in your Bible. Maybe you felt came in without guilt. Maybe today and this morning, you're looking for a breakthrough in your, friend, your friendships. Maybe you're looking in a breakthrough because your son or your daughter left and they're nowhere to be found and they're not in church. And you've been praying for a long time and nothing's coming out of, uh, Nothing's coming from it. Maybe this morning, you, your marriage is falling apart. And you've been praying and God, why can't you come through? Well, I, I think here we have a good indication of of a woman who has been dealing with this for 12 years. She, is, she has a blood issue. She's hemorrhaging blood. And it's not just that issue alone, but you have to understand the context that she lives in, right? She lives in that first century you know, Jewish culture where they kept the ceremonial law of the Old Testament. Now, what is a ceremonial law? Uh, there's the moral law and there's a ceremonial law. Moral law is something that if you break, it's sin, the ceremonial law, it made you unclean. If you broke it, it made you unclean. And then, ceremonial law in the Jewish culture, you know, and the ceremonial law basically has to do with the fact that the Israelites are God's people. And because of that, if you look in Leviticus, Leviticus is all about keeping the ceremonial law. So they had to wash themselves like five times a day to make sure that they keep clean. And they had to make sure that they don't eat pork and shellfish. And they have to make sure that their clothes is of one uh, linen and, and, and not mixed. And they also have to make sure they didn't have any kind of bodily discharges. Because that would make them unclean. So by the very standard of this woman... You know, she can't just go and say, Jesus, would you heal me? Because if she gets close to Jesus, she's an outcast. She's unclean. Nobody's allowed to touch her. Nobody is allowed to to be uh, like even around her because they didn't want to be unclean. So she's not only dealing with, with a health issue. She's also dealing with sort of an outcast from her social structure. She's an outcast. How do you deal with that for 12 years? Don't you think she was lonely? Don't you think that because she had this flow of blood, she couldn't really hug people because if they were, she would hug people, then that would mean that they become unclean? Needless to say, she has some struggles. She's going through something and it's not going away. And I look how... She is so afraid of this, right? And, and in this passage, it says that she comes from behind Jesus and there's, there's crowds that are constantly pressing against Jesus. And, you know, she's pushing through the crowd. There's also a risk that she could be trampled. She could have her hand smashed, but she's desperate. I think this is, that's the key. I think prayer works when we're desperate. Why is that? Uh, I remember growing up, um, I used to go steal cherries from my uncle. Um, I repented from that. But I would, at one time he saw me and I tried, well, I, I, I saw that he saw me. So I started running away so hard. And I noticed that every single time I was trying to get away from something, one time I tried to get away from a dog. Like when you get desperate to get away, everything aligns. Your mind, your mind says go, and your body says go. Everything aligns when you're desperate. If you have to, you'll crawl because you're desperate. I think desperation has that effect on us. When we get desperate, everything starts to align. When our body, soul, mind, everything says, okay, you need to go. You, you, this is your last chance at getting healing. I think breakthrough comes. When we start, start to get a little bit desperate, you know how that cliche saying that desperate times call for desperate measures? The, 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 the custom of the day was not to touch anyone, especially a rabbi. But she was desperate. She was desperate because she's been dealing with this for 12 years. And my God, I'm going to get a hold of it. If that's what it takes... To, to, to push myself through the crowd, to get a hold of his rope. That's what I'm going to do, my God. Like, this is what I'm going to do. She gets desperate. She pushes through, and she touches him. Now, this is kind of weird, right? Because Jesus is surrounded by people, and people are just pressing against him. My guess is that he, they wanted something from Jesus. Somebody there came because they expected a, a, a lunch. And somebody came because... It's a show. Every single time somebody gets healed, it's interesting. We get so passionate about when, oh, show me something new. Show me something interesting. That's why we go to circuses and and other things, right? Like you want to see something new, right? So all these crowds, all these people, right? So it's not like people weren't touching him. People are pressing up against him. But the difference here was somebody was desperate enough and believed enough and just gently reached out and touched his robe. and says the power went from Jesus, from him, and healed her. And Jesus noticed this and said, well, whoa, 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 what happened? Whoa, whoa, who touched me? And everyone's like, you're kidding, right? Like everyone's around you. And Jesus kind of just ignores his disciples. He said, no, 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 no. Somebody here touched me in such a way. The power went from me. What was the difference? The difference was not physical contact. The difference was that somebody was desperate enough and had faith enough to say if I could just touch him things will be different. I love how many times we see this 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 kind of like this posture if you will of people in the New Testament. People that didn't care about what others thought. You know who gets healed? People that when everyone says, shut up, you don't want to bother the teacher? He shouts out, Jesus, the son of David, have mercy on me. I am blind and I need to see. You know whose sins are forgiven? People who push through the religious crowd to get into the synagogue or whatever she has to be or at someone's house, and it, everyone looked at her like, oh, she's just the prostitute, right? This, this lady comes in, and, and she pushes through the religious crowd, and she says, I'm in desperate need of for forgiveness. I'm talking about the lady that, that came in when everyone was just like, Jesus, you know she's a sinner, right? You know you're not, you shouldn't have been, been talking to her. And Jesus says, those who love much are forgiven much. And those who forgive, are forgiven much are loved much. Those are the people who get those, their sins forgiven, who press through the religious crowd, through, through all the cultural nonsense and all these things, all the laws that were made up. You, you know who Jesus dines with? It's people like Zacchaeus, who may be short, or maybe in power, but he, he's not afraid to make a, a fool of himself running through the crowd to climb a tree. Do you understand in the Jewish culture what that means? You're making a fool of yourself. You're somebody in this town. What are you doing? It's like, Jesus climbing the tree. I need to get a glimpse of him. I need to see him. And Jesus stops and says, Today, we are going to dine together. Today, forgiveness, mercy, and kindness came into your family, into your household, And because of the result of that, your life will be transformed. And we see later how Zacchaeus is willing to give four times more than normal for what he kind of conned people out of. Do you know whose friends receive healing and see Jesus? Those who have other friends that are willing to cut through the roof that they might drop him so Jesus can heal him. I pray the city on the hill, we make enough friends like that. That when you are dead in your trespasses, when you, are, when you are sick, when you can no longer carry yourself to church, they take church to you. When you no longer can have fellowship, they, they bring fellowship to you. And when you can no longer have, you know, maybe you're, you're struggling with a, a spiritual issue that you can no longer deal with it on your own. People. you have around you will carry you into his presence and if they have to cut through a roof they'll drop it don't you think they're desperate i think that's a bit extreme cutting through someone's house roof but that's what what happens when indeed when you're desperately needing a breakthrough do you know who jesus encounters is people that are broken People, you know, Jesus himself says, I didn't come to kind of minister to the rich and to the people who are well off and people that don't have a need. I came to the sick because they, they need a doctor. I came to the prostitutes and the tax collectors and these people, that the outcasts of society, the people that nobody really cares about, the people which society thinks are unclean. Oh, um, there's a problem here, though. Jesus came to fulfill the the law, didn't he? But then he kind of ends up breaking the law. Because you see, she was not supposed to touch him. She was not supposed to touch him. You see, (laughs) he broke not the moral law. Jesus didn't sin here. He broke the ceremonial law, which the whole purpose of it was the point to one day of jesus coming and doing away with not eating pork and all these things because later on we see that peter says when when he says oh i, I can't eat this lord and and god says don't call what i made clean unclean so we see that, that peter starts eating and actually starts to minister to the gentiles so Jesus comes and because he's the one who fulfills the ceremonial law, he can do this kind of things. He can say, because of me, you no longer have to work in this. You don't have to work with this issue that you have right now. Because what I'm about to do is you're going to receive healing and you'll no longer be unclean. God, ha- God sent Jesus and Jesus has the power. If you are unclean, to make you clean. Jesus has the power to, to heal you if you need healing. Jesus has the power to bring a breakthrough when you feel desperate, when you feel alone, when you feel cast out, when you feel completely forgotten. You see, it was Jesus who said these, these words. It wasn't, it wasn't me. He said this, Come to me, in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus says this, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry." heavy burdens and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you let me teach you because i am humble and gentle of heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and my burden i give is light it was jesus who said i will give you rest for your soul if you came in here with shame and guilt, you don't have to walk out with that. He can give you a peace of mind. He can forgive you. He can restore you. And he can give you rest for your soul. And if you came here with certain burdens, if, if maybe there's a dysfunction in the family, take, come, that, come to the cross, lay that on the cross, and take on his yoke and his burden, because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He will, not, he, will not, he will not put something on you that you cannot handle. He's a good shepherd. He is a good God. So Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and have enlightened. So, so this is an amazing thing to, to see God reaching out and says, come into my presence. Come into my presence. Now, I don't know if desperation is necessary, but I know that desperation works. I know that God is not like, oh, he needs to try harder. No, I don't think God has that kind of posture towards us. I just think that God can resist desperation. God doesn't like, oh, I'm just going to wait until they're really sincere. No, it's just, I, I know that God can resist. I, last night, I, for some reason, for every time I write a sermon, it doesn't really come together until the end. It's weird. And last night I was sitting and I was like, Lord, I need a breakthrough in the sermon. Like, I, I need you to connect. And I, I just came across this this passage by, um, by David. And David is dealing with, he just sinned with Bathsheba. And, uh, man, he's dealing through a, a rough time. Needless to say, right? Like, he's dealing through some serious problems. And I came across this and I was just like, David knows me. Because so many times I feel exactly the same. So, so I, last night I came across this and I was just like, Psalm 51 says this, Lord, don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence. and Don't take away your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach you the way, and I'll teach you, I'm sorry, I'll teach your ways to the rebels and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. And I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. And listen to this, like this is what really got me. He says, you don't desire a sacrifice where I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifices you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, oh God. What are? I don't know how better I can put it. A broken heart, you cannot despise. What he's saying here is, God, you can't resist when I come with a broken heart. I know you, God. I've written enough Psalms and I've dealt a lot with you. And I know that every single time I come to you with a broken heart, God, you cannot resist that. When I'm desperate, God, you've got to give me a breakthrough. I know I sin. I know I fall down. But God, I need you right now. I need you to come and change and transform this place. So I don't know where you're dealing this morning. Maybe, maybe it's a sin in your life or maybe you need healing or maybe you have a family that's falling apart and you need a breakthrough. God cannot despise or reject a broken heart. This is the key to a, bro- a breakthrough. I think David understood it. I think this woman understood it because she was scared. And I think a lot of times we are scared too. I didn't care. So if I if I hear the stories about Jesus, he's a good God. If I hear stories about Jesus, he always heals. He also also deals with the Pharisees, you know the the hypocrites. He always I heard stories about how, how gentle and kind he was to the prostitutes and prostitutes and tax collectors. So so it, so if history is an indication, I know he's not. I hope he doesn't find out. But if he does, I know he's going to have mercy on me because that's what happens. When power goes out from Jesus and, and she, Jesus says, no, 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 no. Somebody touched me here. Who touched me here? And obviously she's exposed. And so she, she falls on his face and says, Lord, I am so sorry, but it was me and um, I'm healed. And Jesus says the famous words that he says, you know, your faith has healed you. Go in Peace your suffering is over. I think a lot of times, G.K. um, GK Chesterton said this, that a lot of times we treat our religion, you know, not... So he says rather, treat your religion not as a theory, but more of a love affair. We know all these things about God, but I think the love happens when you intimately... Touch. I think today, especially in the modern culture, when you have a bazillion people on Facebook to follow you, and everyone's everyone's friends with everyone, and everyone knows everyone. And everyone's, you know, I'm gonna like and this and that. And but you don't really know each other. You don't really you know facts about each other. But you don't really know each other. Relationship happens when there's between friends, between parents, between church community, where intimacy happens, where people come and and speak words of encouragement and hug. Our faith was never meant to know a whole bunch of random facts. Our faith was supposed to be a relationship. Our faith was supposed to be a love affair, a divine love affair, if you will. So Jesus says, go, go, Your suffering is over. Now, we understand that this is a story within a story. Jesus didn't really kind of was seeking out for this lady. She sought him out. He was actually on the mission to heal someone else that has something in common. She also is needing of Jesus healing. It's a 12-year-old girl. And if Jesus doesn't show up on time, if Jesus doesn't show up on time, she will die. I don't know if this lady heard that messenger coming and says, Hey, Jarius, um, it's hard to tell you, but your daughter died. There's no use in troubling the teacher. I wonder if this lady heard that. Could, could, maybe she think that my healing came at the expense of someone dying because of me stopping Jesus. Maybe he could have made it on time. And I think a lot of times we we have the same, you know, we don't want to bother God because God has more important things to do. Like, yes, I'm dealing with a a year that is, I don't know if I'm going to say a year thing, but like maybe you're dealing with a year problem. but you're like, somebody's dealing with cancer, so I'll allow God to heal them, right? Because because I don't want to stop Jesus. I don't want to take Jesus' time. I don't want to bother Jesus with the little things. Well, if I know anything about Jesus, Jesus is not just healing people from disease, but Jesus also raises people from the dead. So, so I don't think we can take that posture of like, well, you know, I'm just going to not go into God's presence because I don't want to bother God. Trust me, God does everything in his timing. And he says that Jesus is going to this place. Here it says that he walked in. So I'm wondering if he was right by the house. And then everyone is mourning. Everyone's crying inside. But outside, Jesus, well, he says this, and obviously this comment makes it outside. And he says, why are you guys crying? Like, she is not dead. She's asleep. People outside, it says here that's laughing, but I think it was more like, it was more like a mocking thing, right? Like, really? Seriously, dude, she's dead. I mean, I think you, that was cool what you did with that lady and stuff, but who do you think you are? Well, Jesus is about to prove them wrong. Jesus not only healed her, comes in and he says this to to this little girl, get up. She gets up. I'm always amazed to see how many times in scripture, right, we see these two parallels of people seeking Jesus and some people unable to seek God. If I were to bring these two stories into the modern century and to our modern day, I would say this, that the lady that sought him, there's some people of you in here that you are pursuing Jesus and you need a breakthrough. But some of you just don't care. That's how he tells me that you're dead in your faith. If you don't care about pursuing Jesus, that means you're dead. I I know it's a a huge statement. Like I I know... I hope that no, nobody here is that. Dead people don't care. So if you don't care about pursuing Jesus, and, and what I see Jesus doing, Jesus didn't allow himself to be pursued, but he goes after the dead people, because that girl couldn't come and touch Jesus's robe. So this morning, I want to say this is that if you came in here with looking for a breakthrough, God is God's, God's enough and can do that. But if you are dead in your faith, God is going to send me, God's going to send pastors, another people to reach to you. He will pursue you until you're made alive again. Your parents' prayers will never be in vain. So if you are here. And you're praying for someone that is not here. And he doesn't even, doesn't even care. Trust me. God is going to be after him. God's going to be after her. And there will be a moment. Where you will see your daughter. And your son. Raised up again. D- Jesus didn't just come. For those who will pursue him. Who are desperate. But also for those who are dead. You see it amazes me that. Jesus didn't have to go to the house. We've seen in the Gospels that He said a word and that person was healed. He could have done that. But no, He went. He made it personal. He touched her. She got up. God doesn't have to do it, but He will. He'll reach after you. So, what does all this mean practically? Okay, that's great. I, I like the, the big concept and the idea. Jesus loves me. This I know. The Bible tells me that, and so on and so forth. But what does it practically mean? How do we do prayer? Well, I want to give you some practical steps. If you are seeking for a breakthrough, we, we can look at the biblical narrative for clues. I would say... At least this is the things that I've seen through the biblical narrative, right? If you want to see a breakthrough, come into his presence, praising and worshiping him. There's this amazing passage, I believe it's in Psalms, 22.3 uh, says this, Yet you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. What God is saying here is that I indwell, where I, I live amongst the praises of Israel. When we see the Israelites going to Jericho, it didn't say, like, oh, go and throw ropes and make yourself, you know, throw yourself over the, over the wall. No, it says, go around the wall and worship. And in one giving moment, all those walls will go down. God, in the Old Testament, we see that they would put the worshipers in front. Imagine that. If you're going to war with another country, Yuri, you're going first. I'm just saying, Pastor Yuri, you're, you're taking this on, Right? And like, how is that? Okay, yeah, let's go to the battlefield with a guitar. That's great. No, like it doesn't make any sense. But that's the equivalent of that time. Instead of them putting some of the best fighters in front, they'll put the Ark of the Covenant and the worshipers. And God says, I will go and fight your battles. When you worship and you praise, you allow God to start opening him. You, you, You are opening yourself and allow God to start working in you you magnify his presence and say i will no longer be defined by the negativity i'm no longer going to be defined by my problems and my dysfunction i will raise you up because you are my answer to everything and i'm not going to tell my mountain how small my god is but i'm going to tell my mountain how big my god is and and the mount, no mountain can stand against that this is this is what we need to do praise and worship praise and worship also puts us in a posture of humility you you can't worship god and be like (laughs) i am so good looking like (laughs) i am so awesome like i am so this and that like automatically the moment you start exalting him you start to say okay lord i'm nothing embarrassing to you but I, i will exalt you because i can't do this on my own god i need you to move god Worship opens God to do things in your life. That God can achieve in, in one millisecond what you can work 30 years to achieve. Do you understand the prayer changes things? And James says, you have not because what? You ask not. So when you come into his presence, come worshiping and praising him. God, I don't know why this happened. I lost my dad. God, I don't know why somebody else had to lose their life to cancer. I don't know, but I'm going to praise you in this storm. I will exalt you and I'll give you praise because I know that regardless of what happens, I've read the book of Revelations I know how it ends. I know who my Redeemer lives, like Job, right? I know who, who, who gave me his salvation. I, I know in whose grace I'm moving. I know whose forgiveness I'm receiving. I know which righteousness I'm moving in. Yeah. Start with praise and worship. Does wonders. Tell you that. Next thing you want to do is when you go into his room, make sure that if there's sin in your life, you need to confess. John, first 1 John 1:8 says this: if we claim claims, I'm sorry, if we claim we have no sin we are only fooling ourselves and not living on the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. You see, unconfessed sin is a barrier between you and God. Just like if I were to go and have a fight with someone, hopefully it's not physical. I'm way past that, right? Like, if you have a fight with someone, you can't just pretend like everything is okay the next day. You have to resolve it. You have to deal with the anger and the bitterness. You have to deal with those things. When you come and confess before the Lord, that's what you're doing. Say, God, I, you see this, this baggage, this garbage, this, this thing. I'm like a dog running back to my own vomit. Like, God, you see, that's not who I am. Like, Apostle Paul, Paul says that the things I don't want to do, I do. And the things I do want to do, yeah, I don't. So you're not alone. If there's sin in your life, confess it. We see David, who I just read about him saying, don't, don't keep looking at my sins. God, I know if I come with a broken heart, I know if I repent, if I, if I ask you for forgiveness, you are faithful to, to forgive me. Now, a lot of times you, you ask for forgiveness and you feel forgiven. Have you, have, have you had that before? Has God really forgiven me? you got to be careful there because you're going to have to repent again. You know why? Because you've just sinned. Wait, what? What I'm saying is that when you are asking God for forgiveness, God says, I am faithful to forgive. And it doesn't matter how you feel. Don't take your feelings, authority, and put it over the authority of what he said. Okay? So if God says, I am faithful to forgive, and when the enemy says, are you sure you're forgiven? Oh, I know. Because I will not allow my feelings. Our feelings are sort of like, oh, like that. One day you wake up, and you're like, let's do this. And next day you're like, huh, I hate everyone. Um, <laughs> but like, our feelings are always up and down. But his word, his word is, is never changing. His love is, is constant towards us. I heard the story that back in the old days when they, they had the ships, and then people would throw up because they got so sick, the captain would say, look, look at the horizon, because the horizon is constant. And they would navigate by the stars, because they're somewhat constant, and by the land, and, and by certain encompasses, not by the next wave. Your feelings are waves. They come in, and they go out. But God's word never changes. God's love never changes. His faithfulness endures forever. He's able to forgive you. You don't have to walk away with that sin in your life. Next thing you want to do, so first thing is, you make sure you come in with praise and worship. Next thing, you make sure you confess. The next thing is, come in with thanksgiving. I'm going to have a couple more points and we're done, but come with thanksgiving. It says that Jesus healed 10 lepers and then one came back, and Jesus is like, wait a second, what happened to the other nine? Hey, I, I don't know exactly how this works, and I'm not going to preach like I do. What I do know, though, is when my niece comes to me and says, "Like you're so great, I, I'm so thankful for you," I'm like, "What do you want?" I know there's some kind of favor, like something in there that she needs. Oh yeah, I was thinking maybe you can give me four Starbucks. Like, right? Like this idea that when when you are thankful, the person that you're thankful for, right, they're more inclined to open themselves to even help you even more. When my boss comes comes to me and says, "Like you're just a horrible worker, bro." Not very inspirational, is it? But when they're thankful for the things I do right, it inspires me to do even better. Be thankful. A lot of times we rush into his presence and we ask all these things and God moves. But then we forget to go back. I wonder how God feels. You ever had a friend that only used you when they need you? I think I do that with my brother. I always call him like at 3 a.m. when I need gas. But he you knows I love him more than that. Right, like you have a friend that always calls you, or you're calling. Maybe you're that friend. If you don't know anybody, you're, you're probably it. But like <laughs> they always call you when they need you, but then they forget about you. I think we've ignored God way too long. Come with thankfulness, and the next thing you're gonna do, this is we're gonna bring your needs. You're gonna bring your needs. So if you if you want to remember this, just think of the word acts. A is adoration, praise and worship. C is confession. T is thanksgiving. And the last one is supplication. We're asking for things. God cares. You don't have to worry about, okay, well, I think I'm taking too much of God's time. I remember one kid came up to me and he's like, he's like, I I was thinking about starting a ministry and and," and I'm like, bro, I'm like, calm down. Like, what do you wanna say? it's like I, I was just thinking that maybe I should start a ministry what I was saying there is bro you're worth my time you don't have to do this you don't have to feel like oh I have to say things like that really quickly and God God looks forward to hearing from you God he, he wants you to step in His presence because there's I mean have you have you given things to people before yeah, it was a gift for them. They loved it, but you loved it even more because you're like, "Oh, open it, open it! This is so awesome! Just open it!" <laughs> it doesn't just bless the giver. I mean, the, the the receiver. It blesses the giver too. God says, "The things I've prepared for you." He blesses God too. It's not like God, you know, oh, needs to give you. He didn't give. Us, he didn't have to give us life, but he did. He didn't have to give us Jesus as as uh, you know, atonement for our sins, but he did. He didn't have to give us the Holy Spirit, but he did. He enjoys in giving you the best that he has. So ask for things, but make sure they're according to his will. If you're asking for some, something sinful and you wonder why it didn't happen, trust me, you don't want that to happen because he has a higher perspective. So I want to close with this. Going forward, I don't know how he came in tonight, today in the morning, but what I want to encourage you is if you resonate with this lady that came and you need a breakthrough and you're pursuing Jesus, it's just a matter of time when he's going to reply. Keep at it. He will turn around. Power will go out from him. You will be healed. You will be restored. It might take 12 years. I don't know. But Jesus came to do away with a brokenness. And if you're here and you don't care about this, that most likely means that you don't have a relationship with the Lord and you're spiritually dead. And Jesus pursuing you. He sent me this morning to tell you this message. To tell you that he's pursuing you with his love. And he's going to raise you up. And maybe the crowd dismissed you. Maybe the crowd are mocking outside saying, that person how many churches he's been to? How many altars he's been? He's dead. He's gone. He's done. He is addicted. He's this. He's that. He's that. Maybe they just dismissed you already. But Jesus is after you. So I'm going to ask you to raise, um, but I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right now. I'm going to, I'm going to lead you into a prayer. I, I don't know what kind of person you are. Maybe you are pursuing him for a breakthrough. Or maybe you just don't care and you want God to move into your life. Would you start praying right now and say, God, would you, would you take, this is what I'm dealing with. God, would you, would you heal me? Would you restore me? God, I want to hear you. God, I want to hear your voice. Keep on praying. Thank you for listening to Eternal Stance. My hope is that these messages will help you to live in light of eternity. If this podcast is a blessing to you, would you share with other people? Thank you in advance. And until next time, God bless you.